Hello and welcome to Leanne Ward Nutrition, a podcast where you will find expert advice on all things health and nutrition related. Each week, we will discuss my three niche areas of gut health, emotional eating and sustainable fat loss. My hope for this podcast is to cut through the BS online and show you real, practical and evidence-based messages around nutrition so you can live your best life day in and day out. So sit tight, buckle up and let's get started on today's podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Goodness Me, making it easy to eat real food that makes you feel good. These guys take the guesswork out of healthy eating, discover up to 10 surprise, wholesome and delicious snacks, pantry staples, cooking essentials and more in a sampling box curated by nutritionists and delivered right to your door every month for just $25. Head to goodnessme.com.au and use my code Leanne for 15% off. This week's episode is an important one on how to transform your relationship with food, and I'm joined by registered dietitian Deanna Wolfe, who has a Master's of Science degree in clinical dietetics and nutrition from the University of Pittsburgh. Deanna is passionate about mindful eating, overcoming food rules, and of course, peanut butter. You can follow Deanna on socials. She's at Dietitian Deanna. In today's episode, we talk about what a good relationship with food looks like, why we struggle with our relationship with food, diet culture, true health, food freedom, permission to eat, and Deanna's top tips on how to transform your relationship with food. So sit back, grab a pen and paper, and let's dive deep into transforming your relationship with food. Welcome to the podcast, Deanna. Thank you so much for joining us today. Leanne, I'm so excited. It's been so much fun getting to know you through social media and now that we get to talk for the next hour. I love it. Well, let's start off by talking about, I guess, how how 2021 has been treating you so far. What have you been up to this year? I am actually, surprise, surprise, loving being on on your podcast and a few others because I'm actually launching my own podcast this summer. So I'm super excited. It's going to be focused on just overall woman empowerment, but really my focus on food freedom, having a positive relationship with food, as well as I work a lot with other health professionals to help them grow their online business. So I'm also going to interview a lot of other entrepreneurs that are making multiple six figures, even seven figures, and really show you as a woman what you can do in business because I think when I started out in this realm, I had no idea, you know, what could come of it. So anyway, (laughs) a lot going on with the podcast. I have hit over 500 women in my program. So super excited about the results of all the women in my program. And then um, we recently moved to the Washington, D.C. area. So I know you're in Australia. We've been a few times. We love it. But we recently moved uh, a few hours from Pennsylvania to the Washington, D.C. area. So come visit anytime. So we were just talking about redoing our house and all that type of stuff. But yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I absolutely will come visit when Australia lets us out. We're still very strict in our recommendations, which I'm not complaining about. It's it's served us quite well as a country, but we're actually not allowed to leave basically, unless there's a few certain reasons, like for a medical emergency or you have a job that, you know, actually requires you to be overseas or something like that. So once wow. we're allowed to travel, I cannot wait to come to America again. <laughs> Yay. I would love to have you. Awesome. Uh, well, let's start off by, you mentioned um, helping women with 
with their relationship with food. And that is something that is so incredibly important to me as well, which is why I love that you've come on the podcast today. But let's start off by talking about how you would define a good relationship with food. Like, is there a definition for it or do you have one yourself? So I honestly think of a positive or a good relationship with food as somebody who looks at hunger as a good sign instead of always saying, I'm hungry. There has to be something wrong with me. I ate the wrong thing. My metabolism is damaged. You know, it's realizing that our bodies truly do need food consistently and to honor that instead of feeling guilt for eating or restricting ourselves all the time. I think it's really looking at calories as something positive and as energy instead of just negative and your enemy and the memes that you see that say calories are those things that sew your clothes smaller at night. Um, (laughs) It's not, I mean, it's really not looking at exercise as something that you do to earn your food or burn off your food, which I know a lot of old posters would show us, oh, well, one Oreo, you have to do 50 burpees, right? It's using Mm -hmm. exercise in a more positive way if it, instead of feeling like you have to eat back the calories from your exercise, which leads to a disordered relationship with exercise. And it's not letting the scale dictate your self-worth either. Being okay with being neutral with the scale or removing it if it's something that upsets you every day, or maybe you weigh less and it makes you excited, but then you know you restrict or turn that into a binge cycle. So I think those are some of the key things I look for in my clients as they're making their transformation to kind of that more healthy relationship with food. That brings me to the point where I'd like to ask you, why do like so many of us struggle to have a good relationship with food? Are we broken? Is this something that the media has conditioned us into? Like why does having a good relationship with food, why is that so hard? It's so interesting working with so many women and men now to hear where it all stems from. And I think there's like three main buckets that we learn this from. One, I think it's the people around us. Maybe it's your family. Maybe your mother or your father were steeped in what we call diet culture, which we can go in, um, but really worshipped thinness and you looking a certain way or commented on your body or commented about you're eating again or you're eating that or you ordered that, you know, just all the comments about our food and our bodies. So the people around us, I think also... Another bucket of that is the media that we watch, whether that be social media more commonly now or even growing up. You know, I remember watching Miss America and my dad commenting on the women's bodies and things like that that really impact us around us and just the culture that we're raised in that really impact us the most. And then the third, I think I just hear women who have been on diets their entire life. 20 plus years of going on to the next fad diet and never really understanding food in a positive way that you can have a great outlook on food instead of always thinking it's the devil or it's going to end up on your hips or you're going to see it on the scale the next day. How can you look at it as something positive instead? I think there's really those three main camps that make it really hard for For women specifically, I think it's been hard because our bodies have always been something we, you know, we were praised for or led to believe made us more successful in a way, which I know men have that same 
definitely have the same issues we do have, but I think at times it's even harder for women though. Yeah. And even thinking about those three buckets that you mentioned, that's definitely something that has impacted me in, um, I guess my younger years as well and having a poor relationship with food as well, because I'm not sure if you realize I'm six foot one and I've mentioned this on my podcast before, like I'm super tall and I've been this tall since I was literally like 14 or 15 years old. And I remember growing up, everybody always used to say to me, you're such a big girl. You're such a big girl. And I was the scrawniest little like stick kid you've ever seen. But I used to wear clothes that were like four times as big as me because I used to think I was such a big girl. And I'm like, I don't want things clinging to me. My body shape was different to my friends. I just wanted to be like tiny, like my friends. And I remember my mom saying to me, like, that's just not you. Like, you you know, you're tall, you're beautiful, embrace it. But it really took me well into my 20s to get my head around that because all I had like fixated in my head was that I'm a big girl, I'm a big girl, I'm a big girl. Um, And I think it's just something that when you grow up hearing that so often, I guess I would look in the mirror and see somebody that was a lot bigger than what they actually were, put it that way. So I think that there are so many different things that do condition us and shape us. And even as you mentioned, some people have been on diets their whole life. This wasn't me necessarily, but I've heard from so many clients, you know, when I was 10 years old, my mum took me to Weight Watchers or I saw a nutritionist when I was nine years old. Like just those sorts of things can really impact your your upbringing, can't it? I agree. And I think even the sports we play growing up and now as I hope to have children in the next few years. You know, I was a cheerleader and a track runner and a gymnast, Mm -hmm. kind of all the sports that impacted that too. And if you know my story, I did have, you know, an eating disorder in high school, which I do feel like I recovered from, but also had was kind of in quasi recovery or had disordered eating for years after that. But it really does stem from even the sports you grow up in too. Or yes, your mother, I hear a lot of the, my mom put me on Weight Watchers at 10 or 12 or the cabbage soup diet. So yes, very similar. We definitely, I think different situations because I'm five, five and you're six, one, but (laughs) it was still comments on my body because I was a flyer as a cheerleader, which means you need to stay small or thin for people to want to lift you into the air. You know, you're the one that is supposed to be at the top. Um, And as my body changed, as I got older into my later years in high school, I wasn't supposed to be that small. And that's what kind of spiraled me into the start of my negative relationship with food and my body. Yeah. And I was going to ask you what sort of made you interested in this area overall, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us maybe a little bit about your past and and sort of how you've overcome that. Honestly, I thought I would be a doctor. And then I took organic chemistry in college or university and decided oh, this is really tough. But I had worked with a dietitian and a therapist in high school. And I didn't even know being a dietitian was a career path. I truly didn't. I don't know if that was something you knew getting into the field, but I learned about it at college where I went to the University of Pittsburgh. And when I learned about it, I was like, wow, this would be something similar to somebody who changed my life. And so that's kind of when I took the leap, applied into the school I got in. And I guess the rest is history. I did my master's of science in clinical nutrition. So I have a lot of history in working in a hospital for a year and, you know, all of the tube feedings and stuff that you do as a dietitian. But I think it really was my own personal struggles of overcoming an eating disorder and then years of disordered eating that have led me to now be able to work with hundreds of thousands of clients and really know how to 
walk them through key steps and create that that transformation to a positive relationship with food. So it really does stem from just my passion of me realizing full recovery is possible that I'm here today. Because I've worked in other jobs I hated before I quit those and went full-time in my own business. So being able to do what I truly love every day, which you know, I think you do too. I think it's just super, super cool that we get to do this. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Very, very, very grateful. (laughs) And you mentioned, um, I guess that transition between you sort of recovered, you know, quote unquote, maybe on paper or maybe to other people's eyes, but you still hadn't quite recovered. There were many years of disordered eating. Can you talk us through what that looked like for you? And was that sort of tied into you competing? I remember seeing photos online of you doing, um, you know, sort of like bodybuilding or bikini competitions in between. Was that what you mean when you mentioned like quasi recovery, sort of like you had recovered, but not really? Yes, exactly. And that was a part of my story. I feel like my story is long, so I didn't want to go into it all. But right after college, I decided to run a marathon because I thought marathons would make me thin and I was doing excessive cardio and not eating enough. And then after that, I thought – you know, well, I accomplished the goal of a marathon. I have not run a marathon since, and I don't like running anymore. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then I got into bodybuilding and strength training, which I really do. You know, I think you strength train, and I just, I really do like the thought of having an empowering workout through something like strength instead of feeling like you have to burn off calories through cardio. So I do talk a lot about strength in my programs too. But I, yeah, I, I decided to sign up for a bodybuilding competition, which I wouldn't recommend for somebody with a history of disordered eating, of course. Do I regret it? No, it ultimately led me to opening up my own business and started my entrepreneurial journey. So I can't say I necessarily regret it, but I would not recommend it for anybody else. I just remember just the diet you have to be on. And then afterwards, it can be very hard on your mental stability because your body cannot be that lean forever. You have to gain weight after, which I think even you said, you you saw something different in the mirror that was there. Body dysmorphia is very prevalent in women. And that's what I think you deal with gaining the weight back after something like a bodybuilding competition, which I wouldn't recommend for somebody who does have the history that I had, which is funny because my mom was very unsupportive. And I thought, why doesn't she just support me in this journey? And I was really upset with, but at the end of the day, I realized it was because, you know, she just didn't think it was that good of an idea for me to do. Yeah. It wasn't actually serving you. It wasn't. Yeah. And now that I've come full circle and focused more on intuitive eating and eating like a normal person, I realized because I was tracking macros and really big and weighing foods when I was doing the bodybuilding competitions. And now I have basically switched my focus because I realize what real healthy eating and food freedom looks like for me and my clients. Wonderful. Well, congratulations and well done in, in overcoming some really difficult parts of your journey as well. Thank you so much. I'm interrupting this podcast for a healthy break with our episode sponsor. There's no doubt that your crazy busy life gets in the way of what you put into your body. But seriously, does anyone actually have the time or the patience to pace up and down the store aisles trying to decipher the nutritional info at the back of every product? 
As you know, I'm all about eating real foods made from real ingredients that actually nourish your body, which is why I was so excited when I discovered Goodness Me, who take the guesswork out of healthy eating. Goodness Me's sampling box helps you easily discover up to 10 wholesome snacks, pantry staples, and cooking ingredients every month that make you feel good. That's right, nothing artificial, nothing nasty. Think of it like it's your birthday every month with a new box of real, wholesome, and delicious treats to discover. They can also cater to your dietary needs, whether you're gluten-free, dairy-free, or vegan. It's time to stop the stressful dieting and just eat real food. Save yourself the confusion and see why Goodness Me has over 60,000 customers who rave about them. I have an exclusive 15% off offer for all my listeners. Head to goodnessme.com.au and use my code Leanne for 15% off. Everyone deserves to eat real food that makes them feel good. And it's as easy as one, two, goodness me. And I'd love to ask you, you did mention before um, about diet culture and why we seem to have been sort of almost conditioned by the media and by other people and magazines and that sort of thing into having more of a poorer relationship with food. What is diet culture and how does that come into play when we talk about our relationship with food? I think Christy Harrison is maybe who termed, created the term diet culture. I'm not sure where it came from, but really what it is, is just worshiping thinness as the gold standard to health, over health itself, so over everything else. And that weight loss has to be the only answer to health and happiness. That is truly what diet culture is. And I think now dietitians and people like you and me in the media are trying to switch the script to realize that sometimes there are other ways to measure our health instead of just rapid or drastic weight loss and that there are a lot of red flags out there with the fad diets and the supplements and the detoxes that don't work. Um, And a lot of women and men jump to that when in reality, those all stem from diet culture and are some of the red flags, I would say, to look out for when you're trying to stay away from diet culture. Couldn't agree more. And I guess that brings me to a question for you between the difference between diet culture and being healthy. Because I feel like a lot of the times, particularly on social media, the lines get blurred and you'll see a post and it's like, I mean, people steal my photos all the time and then they put like a detox claim on it or it's like, (laughs) do this keto diet for 28 days and you'll look like this chick. And I was like, no, that's not okay. That's my photo. (laughs) And I'm sure it happens to you a lot as well. But what is that difference or that distinction between diet culture and health, where does that line become blurred between we're trying to do something that is positive for our health, we're trying to eat well, we're trying to exercise. Where is that fine line between diet culture and actually just genuinely being healthy? That's such a nuanced question, to be honest. And it's something I've tried to ask myself over the past year, because yes, when something goes viral or those accounts like to take your pictures and use them for something than they were ultimately (laughs) created for, you know, you feel like that your message is being skewed. Or when people come to your page and I say, hey, taking care of your mind and body will create happiness. Will seeing a five-pound weight loss potentially be why you're happy? Maybe not, because actually it's when 
you are moving your body, when you're eating fiber, right? Like all the things we know that are health and that I talk about in the last stage of my program that people want to hop to first. You know, it's like the list of off-limit foods versus, you know, allowed foods versus off-limit foods. So I think your original question was like, where do we draw the line? And I think that line is blurry and that's the issue. Most people want a black and white answer to what is healthy and what is not. And as dietitians, we know there is a gray area and that stinks for people that have that black and white mindset, that last supper mentality, that on or off the diet type of mentality. It's really how do we talk to people about lifestyle habits and, you know, small changes and the actions that they can take. And I really do think people like you and me who maybe aren't in the same specific camp on social media have very similar principles at the end of the day. I think when you're thinking of diet culture, it's thinking of all those things that promotes fast results and list what foods are good versus bad and promise that you will, this miracle product, this expensive miracle product will be the answer to you. But we know that's not true, right? So hopefully that explains it. Yeah, definitely. And as you were mentioning those things, I I thought of something where I think a previous guest, maybe one of the great psychologists that I've had on the podcast mentioned, and it was really around that diet culture versus health is really around that number focused goals versus like behavior focused goals. So it's like, is your goal to lose 20 pounds or is your goal to be X percentage of body fat or is your goal to exercise because it makes you feel great and be able to eat food without the guilt and put on a pair of jeans and feel fabulous in them regardless of what your weight is. So do you feel like that plays a a big impact as well? Yeah. Yeah. I, tell my clients, it's what you ask yourself before you eat too. Instead of, well, is this meal under 300 calories or does this have good foods for me, right? Instead of those questions, it's asking yourself, will this meal satisfy me? What type of textures do I need right now? How do I want to feel after this meal? It's all of those types of questions that you're asking yourself versus how many calories, how many grams of this? So it completely nailed it. I think that's definitely it. Absolutely. And because you and I both know from previous experiences, I've done macros and calorie counting and tracking and all that sort of thing in the past as well. But you're right, like that meal could perfectly hit your calories, perfectly hit your macros, perfectly put you into that fat loss deficit. But at the end of the day, if it's not filling and it's not satisfying and you're going and looking for something afterwards, what's the point, right? (laughs) Exactly. If something's not – and satisfying, I think it's a weird – you know, it's really just those meals where you're – you know, I try to have clients say, hey, will this meal keep me satisfied and full for the next three to four hours? And sometimes you think a huge salad with tons of spinach will because it's a lot of fiber, but actually did you have a good source of protein and did you have fat and did you have some carbs in it to actually tide you over enough? Or are you going to be hungry in an hour because it was just a huge bowl of lettuce that filled up your stomach when in reality, that's not true satisfaction. That's just feeling full versus feeling satisfied. 
hundred percent. And I always say that meals need to be two things, filling and satisfying. So we're absolutely on the same page there because if they're not, you're definitely going to go looking for food afterwards. You're going to go looking for something else. And I feel like for a lot of clients, that's where that overeating comes in or that mindless eating or, or that guilt with food comes into play because they're like, well, I just ate a meal and now I feel like some chocolate or I just ate something and now I feel like I need some crackers afterwards because I'm not really satisfied. Yes. And then they think, well, if I eat this one chocolate, I might as well keep going, right? The best thing I hear from clients is when they say, I can have ice cream in the freezer and I forgot it was there, or I didn't eat it all in one sitting, or I went out to eat and had the burger and fries, but didn't finish it because I understand my hunger and my fullness now. That's success to me. Absolutely. And that's so powerful, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And that probably brings me to my next question for you, where I was going to ask you about food freedom, because that's one of the the things that you promote as part of your program. And I love that. And I'm so on board with that as well. But again, what does food freedom mean? And how do we know if we've been able to achieve food freedom? I think, honestly, Leanne, it's most of the stuff we've touched on today. It's not looking at meals as X number of calories or grams. It's being able to keep ice cream in your freezer. It's not feeling guilt when your friends ask you to dinner and you already ate a sandwich that day and know you might have bread again or might have carbs again, right? It's the freedom to live your life and have a high quality of life, not so focused on food, which sounds crazy as a dietitian. We're like, I don't want you to focus on food so much. But I think that's really the key is being able to eat. You know, I I always say we're kind of all born as intuitive eaters when you see kids or, you know, you can see them being able to walk away from their plate because other things interest them instead of feeling like, well, every time I eat, it has to be clean plate club. So I think that's food freedom too, is being able to realize you can walk away from a plate without having to finish it all. Um, have your off-limit foods in the house and not feel like you have to binge on them because they're off-limits. It's going back to get more food if it wasn't satisfying enough, but really working to, instead of eating a protein bar at lunch you know, or a protein shake, it's actually making a satisfying meal that you know will, will fuel you and fuel your metabolism. So I really do think it's all of those things. It's thinking of food less and less guilt around food and deleting my fitness pal, um, you know, and like all of those key steps that I see my clients crush and makes me so excited. I love it. (laughs) And then that sort of, I guess, ties hand in hand with that food freedom and giving yourself permission to eat, which I know is so important for so many people and a really big step for so many people in their journey. I guess when it comes to that giving yourself permission to eat, so many people have that just deep fear of gaining weight. And I'm sure that you experienced that fear at some stage in your your journey as well, as did I. How do you overcome that? Or what would your advice be to people who say, well, I want to get rid of diet culture. I want to have food freedom. I want to give myself permission to eat, but I'm so scared to gain weight. What's your advice there? I've answered this a few times and I want to just put out what my main answer is, is your fear of gaining weight, of gaining potentially a small amount of weight. I teach my clients a lot about set point weight range theory and what that looks like for you and what you can achieve with intuitive eating. So Your fear of gaining a small amount of weight while fixing your relationship with food is holding you back from happiness and keeping you at war with your body and what you eat. 
truly. That is the simple answer. I wrote it down and was like, this is exactly what I want to say because I've shared it with other clients. And that fear is just holding you back. And once I was able to say, hey, at the end of the day, if I'm able to finally eat freely, it is worth it to me to maybe be a few pounds up or a few pounds down or whatever it is, right? With intuitive eating, you can, again, you can gain weight, you can maintain your weight, you can lose weight depending on what your habits look like now. So really the point there is that it is holding you back and and it can be very fearful. And if you can put trust in somebody like a dietitian instead of having to do it alone or join a community of people who are also working through it, I think that can help you take that first step too where that's why my program is so step-by-step and has a proven process. Because I know myself, it took me years to finally actually do this, right? Like to have that food freedom and feel like I'm 100% there when I try to provide all of that, give all those tools in 12 weeks, which is a really quick time, I say. But yeah, it's that process and having the the support and all of that. For our listeners at home who might be starting this journey or maybe haven't haven't even haven't even started it yet, they're sort of a bit overwhelmed, they're not sure where to even start. If you had three to five top tips in terms of transforming your relationship with food, where should people start or what are the most important steps to begin with? I always begin with in my program is having clear core values that are bigger than your body. So what do you want to be remembered by? What's going to keep you inspired to achieve your food freedom goals? So instead of, well, I want to weigh X pounds, it's having deeper core values. I want to be remembered for my honesty or for being a loyal friend that then when you have all of the tools in your toolbox, you'll say, wow, being an intuitive eater is so much more worth it than on and off dieting for the rest of my life. So I really do think that's the first key step is like your why and your core values behind why you want food freedom and why you want to ditch diet culture. Of course, intuitive eating, there's a book out there by Evelyn Triboli that can be a good first step. I always say, well, it doesn't hold you accountable. It doesn't apply the principles in real life. So that can be a great inexpensive option if that's just your first step. But I always would love people to learn. I have a program called Food Freedom Breakthrough. That's 12 weeks and we launch it about every month. So I always have women and men enrolling in the program and it's such a transformational program. So if you want more information, uh, we can link it or you can find it on my Instagram page. And I think the other key pieces are, I feel like I have so many, but learn about nutrition in a way. I teach clients about nutrition, about how to make satisfying meals, carbs, protein, and fat, fiber, but don't count them, right? Don't weigh your food. Don't feel like you have to have X grams. It's just, that wasn't the point of macros to begin with. And so being able to just know about science in a higher level without it being so exact. And so I work with a lot of perfectionists, a lot of women who are very hard on themselves because that was me. So it's being able to kind of not be so perfect with everything too. Those are, I feel like I have a million other things. Give up my fitness pal, stop letting the scale dictate how your day goes, realizing you're going to have bad body image days no matter what your body looks like and finding body neutrality, but I'll stop there because I feel like 
I'm rambling at this point. So you would say that I guess your top maybe three tips are to really learn about intuitive eating. Um, Would you say that that's a really important one? Yes. Agreed. Okay, wonderful. And then the other ones were really to step away from the scale and my fitness pal and weighing your food and and trust that your body, I guess, intuitively knows what to do with that basic understanding of, you know, what is a good carbohydrate to add to my meal? What is a good source of protein, fat, fiber? Yes, you nailed it. So learn how to build nourishing meals without actually having to weigh out those meals. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. And Jenna, the very last question I would love to ask you, which I think kind of ties into this whole improving your relationship with food, learning to love your body, trust your body, that sort of thing, is this comparison online. It's so detrimental to our mental health. We we open up Instagram or TikTok or social media and we see someone else and we think, oh, wow, look at their life. It's perfect. Or oh, I wish I had that. Or if only I look like that. How do we stop the comparison online because I'm sure you've fallen victim to it. I've fallen victim to it. I open it up and it might not be that I'm comparing my body to someone else, but it might be, I just think, oh, wouldn't it be nice to have her life or oh, she has a private jet and look at that new Louis <laughs> bag that looks amazing. How do we stop comparing ourselves online and, and why is it so detrimental to our mental health? I think there are three key steps. One, follow people that are transparent and aren't just showing their highlight reel, right? I just think detoxing from people that aren't helping you with your mindset and who are just kind of look at me type of people. So people just showing their lives without actually helping you at all, moving that forward. I think the other key piece is for me, if I'm comparing myself to other women business owners or anything, sometimes it's just a mute, you know, saying, I love them and I want to support them. But right now with where I'm at, I just need to focus on myself and not be looking at a million other people so that I can move my own thing forward. You know, the more you're looking at everybody else and seeing a million different options instead of committing to one thing and putting your all into it, you know, I think that's when we get really tripped up. And then, yeah, did I say like just doing a cleanse, doing a social media cleanse if needed? so that you can stop comparing yourself to others. And I think for me, it's realizing that I don't think everybody realizes it, but you can Photoshop videos these days. You know, there are some crazy stuff that people can do to videos and Photoshopping pictures. So realizing most of it's fake anyway. (laughs) So I just think realizing that it's probably not reality. Mm, absolutely and I love how you were mentioning like detoxing cleansing so don't actually do like a nutrition detox or a cleanse but do a good social media detox and cleanse right (laughs) yes a social media cleanse you can actually go to your account I kind of explained this the other day in a little tutorial if you go to your account you can click on who you're following you can see who shows up in your feed the most and you can decide hey maybe I don't want them I don't want to see them the most And so decide what inspires you more than those things so you can actually kind of hide them so that other people can start filtering into your feed too. So if you want to check out who I follow, I feel like I have a powerful and inspiring group of people I follow. So definitely do that too. Yeah, amazing. And if you go to your profile and you click on who you follow, is it the people at the top who show up the most in your feed? Is that how it works? So on Instagram, you click on who you're following and then you can cl- you can either click least interacted with or most shown in feed. So there's two different things that you can look at. So then you go to most shown in feed 
and you can see all these people. And if maybe you don't want to see them in your feed anymore, you can say mute them. If you're kind of sick of seeing those people or they're not inspiring you, or if you're comparing yourself to them and then say like the least interacted with, you could go to some of those and start watching some of their things. So then they show up in your feed more often. Wow. That is a great, I never even knew that was there. Is that a new feature? (laughs) It showed I never knew up that was there. a few months ago and I started doing it every week of like, okay, who's shown in my feed the most this week? Because it can change, right? If I'm all of a yeah. sudden just tapping on somebody's stories, you know, Instagram does its thing and shows you the people that you continue to watch. So I'm like, okay, I don't need to be watching the, this anymore. Let's switch it up. So I try to do it every week or so. So I love that. What a powerful tip for our listeners at home. Thank you so much for that one. I'm definitely going to do that when we jump off this podcast. <laughs> of course, you should. It's awesome. <laughs> Wonderful. Amazing. Deanna, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure and you've given us some really great things to have a think about and really just step back and assess our overall relationship with food and some some wonderful tips that we can move forward from here. Where can our listeners um, find you, where they can reach out to you? What are your social media handles? I mostly hang out on Instagram. You can find me at Dietitian Deanna, and that's Dietitian with two T's because somehow I always have people put a C for the di- different for the second T. It's autocorrect. I know, I know, because dietetics is a T and a C, but Dietitian is D I E T I T I A N, and then my name D E A N N A. That's my same name on TikTok, so I show up there every so often and those are the most places I hang out where you can find more information on my food freedom breakthrough program I talked about and then if you are an entrepreneur I also have my entrepreneur academy if you're working on your own virtual business so you can find all of that basically at my Instagram as well too I'm launching my podcast again soon and then my website dietitiandeanna.com is being revamped this summer too so that's where I hang out so many exciting things and I will make sure that I link all of that in the show notes as well so our listeners can quickly go and find you and give you a good follow make sure that you're showing up first in their feed because that's that positive um, lovely messages that we're getting around food which is so important so you're definitely somebody that I love seeing sort of pop up on my feed as well so definitely won't be muting you love your content I know (laughs) and thank you again (laughs) love you I hope to make it to Australia again soon and it's been a pleasure to chat absolutely and please let us know when you're podcast is live as well. I can't wait to have a listen and I will help share it with all of our lovely listeners as well. Thank you. Love you. Thank you so much again. (laughs) 